Welcome to the latest Known Pleasures Flexi Disc. Today we're discussing the Lena Lovitch song New Toy from 1983. And I know it's pronounced Lena because there is a, um, I think, a phonetic spelling on her first album on the cover, which I thought was quite handy. Was, uh, I always thought it was Lene. I always thought it was 1981 as well. I think you're a couple of years out there. Oh, am I? Yes. <laughs> Pretty sure you are. <laughs> well, I'm off to a good start. You're off to a good start. I'm Maybe I've, <laughs> I've researched the wrong song. You might have. Um, are we talking about New Toy? We're talking about New Toy, yeah. 1981 single. Yeah. Yeah, okay. February, in fact. Okay, I must have written the uh, the wrong year. I thought her surname was Hagen. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, her surname is Primalovic. Mm. Lily Marlena Primalovic. I didn't realise this till recently, but she's American. Mm. And she uh, she came from Detroit, Michigan, and yet, moved to yet the UK. another musical legend from Motown. Mm, from Motown, yeah. And uh, she moved to the UK when she was 13 and had some of the letters removed from her name, I think. <laughs> As you guys know, she kicked off her career very successfully with her album called Stateless, which had a single on there called Lucky Number, which made it to number two in Australia. Um, you guys obviously remember the song. It yes, was, yep. I remember her hair. It was number huge. three in the UK. It was massive. She really knocked it out of the park, first single. And you're probably wondering why we're not talking about that song. I have to admit I am. Yes. <laughs> Maybe you are too, listener. In fact, <laughs> Mark and I have discussed this endlessly yes. and angrily, and we, we almost went on strike. My lucky To tell the truth, I didn't like Lucky Number. Really? It wasn't no. your lucky number? It wasn't anything that really... Um, I didn't take to it, basically. It was kind of new wavy. Mm. She did deliver it in an unusual manner. This was in 1979 that that came mm. out, too. So mm. that was right in the prime, you know. I was mm. going to mention this, too, because there's always a lot of debate about the first post-punk album. This actually came out before The Scream. Her album? Yeah. It was a month before The Scream. It, it came out after um, the first magazine album, obviously. It's an album that doesn't get mentioned very much, but if you listen to it, it is a very new wavy, of its time kind of mm. uh, Who kind produced of that first album? Good question. I don't know. Because oh, that may have given us a clue. But anyway, we probably should talk about the song we're talking about. <laughs> well, I also <laughs> wanted to mention that I listened to the first album yesterday. And I just want to point out that I knew every song on the first album, yet I never owned this album, so I have no idea why I knew it so well. But yeah, I would definitely put it in amongst all of the other Mm. post-punky albums at the time. And she had that unusual delivery, which uh, people like Nina Hagen also did and a lot of other people. That girl who was the lead singer of, what were they called, Missing Persons, did that little really weird up inflection at the Mm. end of the line. It's kind of a hiccuping style. Yeah, it's like a hiccup kind of a style. So she did that. Sort of a yodeling at times. Like like a yodel, yeah. And she did a lot of that kind of stuff. But if I can go a little bit further back in history, just to annoy Mark a a little more, she had done uh, a couple of things prior to Lucky Number, one of which was that she somehow found herself writing the lyrics to the song Supernature. Oh, yes. Cerrone, if I'm pronouncing yeah, it properly. French properly, disco the, artist. The French disco artist, yeah, which was a top ten hit in the UK in 1978. Very influential. That is a great song. Maybe we should talk about that. <laughs> okay. And that song wasn't a huge hit in Australia, but it was played a lot on the Kenny Everett video show. Mm, that's right. The uh, hot gossip dancers danced frequently to it. 
no mm. sexily to it. I hadn't noticed. That's uh, <laughs> really. <laughs> we call that provocative because we you were, were only <laughs> young. We were about we were about thirteen at the time. But the song we're discussing today came courtesy of one Thomas Dolby, who was inspired to write the song after he saw her play live. He was in her touring band. Yeah. That's what I had. Uh, Actually, he wasn't yet in her touring band. No, no. He was in Bruce Woolley and Camera Club on a US tour supporting Lena Lovitch Mm. and thought she was amazing and wrote a song specifically for her on his four-track double-speed cassette Yes, he bought himself a Tascam Porter Studio, which mm. I had one of those back then. Everyone in the day. did. So he was able to multi track his keyboard parts and everything. And he wrote the song, yeah, while they were on tour together. Apparently, there was one night he found himself in an elevator with uh, Lena and her partner, Les Chapel, yep. who was a songwriter or co songwriter. And apparently, um, he didn't say anything to them, but as the lift doors opened, Les turned to Thomas and said, um, we caught Bruce's set tonight, great synth parts. Lena thinks you're a star. So at that point, he decided to, to write this song for her. So he wrote New Toy, but interestingly, if you look at it in Wikipedia, it says that Thomas Dolby wrote the song about his Fairlight computer. Mm. Mm. But there's no way in the world he would have afforded a Fairlight computer at that point in his career. He barely had enough enough money to buy a Tascam Porter Studio. Maybe he wanted one and that was Mm. his aspiration. Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I'd say someone just made that up. I like the idea of a song being written about Australia's finest invention. So, <laughs> Apart from the Ikubra hat. And Speedos. And Ugg boots. And the Hills Hoist. We could go on. Black box <laughs> slot recorder. Uh, they don't always work. <laughs> so Thomas Dolby wrote this about the black box flight recorder. <laughs> um, so he sent them the song and after a few weeks they agreed to record it, but not only that, they asked him to join the band. Mm. And that's when it happened. So he left the camera club and apparently Bruce Woolley was quite upset about that. Mm. By the way, if ever you guys read about Bruce Woolley, he's quite an interesting character as well. As you know, he wrote, along with Trevor Horn and Jeff Downs, Video Kill the Radio Star. And apparently the Buggles recorded a version and Bruce Woolley and the camera club recorded a version and obviously the Buggles won hands down. Maybe we should do an episode about Video Killer Radio Star because there's a lot of interesting things about that, including the fact that Tina Charles, who was a British pop star, <laughs> she sang on it originally and she funded the original recording of it. Well, now we don't need to do a podcast on Video Killer. Uh, there's more. There's, oh. <laughs> there's more. There's always more. We could do a deep dive on that one. Anyway, so where were we? He left Camera Club and joined Lena's band. New Toy became a moderate hit. Well, there's some debate about that, yeah. isn't there, Patrick? <laughs> well, is number 29 in Australia a hit or not? It is in Australia. Hmm. Yes. Number 53 in the UK. Yeah. Sorry, Ram, I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting probably what you were about to say. No, next. no, well, I'm doing most of the talking here anyway. So it's, um, while the song wasn't big, it gave him enough exposure and confidence to promote his own career. Mm. Yeah, it was great for Thomas Dolby. Yeah, that's mm. what I think <laughs> Not too. so good for Lana Lovitch. <laughs> I always see this song as the catalyst for Thomas Dolby's music as yeah, I'm a yeah. big fan of his. I bet you guys didn't realise this was going to be a Thomas Dolby podcast and not <laughs> a Lana It's, it's wide-ranging. <laughs> I'll certainly say that for it. But back to Tina Charles. Yeah. <laughs> 
She had a hit with I Love to Love, in case you don't remember that one. But my baby don't love to just dance. Loves to dance. Just yes. loves to dance. Just loves to dance. Well, I can't see why those two things can't coexist. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing tonight? I'm loving. What are you up to? I'm going to go and dance. I'm going to go dance. <laughs> combine the two. <laughs> we'll catch up later. <laughs> Back to new toy. And I think it's interesting, the Elena Lovitch vocal style, because what was characteristic of both or several of her of her singles was the fact that she didn't always use formalised lyrics to communicate her emotions. And she did say, got a quote here from her saying, sometimes you can create an emotion without saying any words. It's a little bit subliminal, but it is direct communication. The human voice, there's nothing like it to really get through. And she does have that profound artistic kind of sensibility, I think, that she is trying to kind of communicate in a way that is beyond words. And it can seem quite comical, but it's also fantastically catchy. And it really does communicate unusual emotions in a really interesting way, I think. Yeah, well, she had that bird song as well, mm. where she did I love bird sounds, you know. <laughs> so she, she, she really sort of experimented with her voice quite a bit. Oh, this is where I got 1983 from. In May 1983, I saw Lena Lovitch at East Leaks Club in Brisbane. I'm not sure whether that was it, but it was definitely a suburban gig as opposed to one in the city. And she was really good. Was also, Thomas Dolby on keyboards? He wasn't. But the guy on bass, <laughs> and I don't know why I'm mentioning this, but I, I just w- want to say this guy has popped up on my radar so many times over the years. His name is Ron Francois, a bass player from Canada. The band Canada? No, no. no or the country. The country Canada. Was is there a band Canada? Canada? Well, <laughs> there might be. I don't, that's why I'm trying to clarify was he in uh, Teardrop Explodes? I was going to say, the first time I saw him, he was in Teardrop Explodes mm. in 1981. Then I saw him play bass for Lana Lovage in 83. Uh, then one day I'm watching Countdown and he was playing bass for an Australian band called Eurogliders. Then in the 90s I saw him playing uh, with Wendy Matthews. And then recently I was talking to someone, we were talking about uh, studios on the Central Coast, which is about an hour north of Sydney. A lot of musicians retire there and start studios. And they were talking about a place called Point Studio, and this guy said to me, um, it's owned by Ron Francois. Do you know that guy? He used to play for the Eurogliders. And I was like, do I know him? I've inadvertently followed his entire career since <laughs> the early work. 80s. So he's he's popped up on my radar quite a bit. A really great um, bass player altogether. Mm. I don't have much else to say about the song. Like, it, it was... I really enjoyed it, and I think it, I thought it was very Thomas Dolby with the, mm. you know, the, the synth line that runs through it. I liked the synth line. I liked uh, the, the OAO backing vocal thing, her unusual vocal delivery. And I thought it just thought it was really catchy. And yeah, I thought it was much better than Lucky Number. A bold, a bold statement. The charts would disagree. Would disagree. Did you make of either Lucky Number or New Toy? I hadn't given either of them a lot of thought since (laughs) 1981 and 1979, (laughs) respectively. I always remember her hair. I don't mm. know why. That's the braids. The, the, all braids, the braids, that stuck out to me. Um, yeah, good song. There weren't a lot of post-punk women making an impression in Australia anyway in a mainstream way in terms of appearing on the Countdown show you mentioned, which is very much primetime Australian 
TV. And I think Lucky Number came out at around about the same time as Heart of Glass. Mm. And not many people could have made Debbie Harry look conventional, but <laughs> Lena Lovitch was just so out there mm. in appearance and in sound that she did in some ways redefine, although Kate Bush might have some, something to say about this, mm. redefine the role or help to redefine the role of the female in pop music and to really expand the kind of boundaries of what was acceptable and what was commercial. So mm. I think she was really, she was pretty amazing. Can we sum up this song in one word? I've got to go last. <laughs> I can't think right. of one yet. Um, I'll just say, I think I've said unique before, haven't I? I'll yeah. say it again. I thought this was really unique. Mm. I'm going to go with secondary. As in lucky number two. <laughs> <laughs> lucky number Not two. as good as lucky number one. Yeah. <laughs> when I think of this song, I always think of Lena's um, pronunciation of Hoover, the French pronunciation. I'm sick of the Hoover. I'm sick of the Hoover. So the is Hoover your word? Hoover, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to need some editing, Graham. <laughs> that landed beautifully, didn't it? 